we started talking about uh, kind of God's overarching purpose for us, and I said that we all have ideals in different areas of our life, but that God also has an ideal for us. He has a dream um, for everybody, and it's found in Romans 8.29, where God says He's predestined us to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And so if you're a person, that's what God wants for you. Every person He's created, He wants us to become as much like Jesus as we possibly can before we die. That's the goal, and that's what God is looking for in us. That's what He's working towards in our life. And I used this thing of clay last week in this vase and said, this is kind of the goal. This is what God wants for all of us. He wants us to look like this, but we all start off like this, and most of us are somewhere in between. We're somewhere in between this and this. Now, I left this piece of clay out all week, and it's hard as a brick. You can't, I can't even make an indention in it with, it's a brick. It's a, it's a rock. You can't do anything with this. And this morning what I want to talk about is um, kind of hard clay versus pliable or moldable clay. The key, if we want to become what Jesus, what God desires, if we want to do, if this is where we're trying to get, if we're hard as a brick, it's going to be pretty difficult to get there. If clay is like this, where it's pretty much a rock, a potter can't shape it unless he uses a hammer and a chisel. And you don't want that. If it's moldable, he can use his hand. And that is what we want. So this morning we're going to talk about our willingness to change. Brandon mentioned that earlier. How willing are we to change? Is this you? Are you hard? Is it difficult for God to work in your life? Or are you soft? Are you easily shaped? And are you easily molded? Kind of the catch is, if you're a Christian, then you've signed up for God's program. That's part of the deal. You get heaven and you get forgiveness and you get pe- you get all of those things, but you also get being conformed into the image of Jesus. When Paul says God predestined that, that means he decided beforehand. He's already made up his mind what he's going to do in your life. It's not really up for discussion anymore. And once you become a Christian, you're signing up saying, yes, that's what I want. Now, you might have thought that might be fine print to you and you didn't know when you signed the contract, that's what you were getting, but that's what you're getting. When you choose to become a Christian, when you choose to follow Jesus, what you're saying is, I'm going to do, I'm submitting my life to you, and I'm going where you take me, and I'm going to do what you want me to do and be who you want me to be. That's part of the deal. So, if you're a Christian, you've signed up for this. This is what you've signed up for, to become this. Once you said, yes, I'm choosing to follow Jesus. Now, if you're not a Christian, you haven't signed up for this yet. But God's still working in your life because he's after you because this is still what he wants for you because he made you. And I want to say life is better this way. We can talk about that later. So that's what you've signed up for. So God will be working in your life. He's decided beforehand. That's what he's going to do. So your choice is, my choice is, do I want him to use his hands or do I want him to use a hammer and a chisel? Now, clay doesn't have any feelings, but if it did, what do you think it would choose? A hammer and a chisel or hands. And the same is true for you. God's going to work in your life. If you're a Christian, he's already said, you're going to become as much like Jesus as possible before you die. And he is 100% committed to that process. And he will use his hands if we'll let him, or he'll use the hammer and a chisel, if that's the route that we choose. Totally up to you, your decision on that. But that's kind of the choice that is in front of us. I was thinking about that and kind of what keeps us 
from being moldable or pliable with the Lord? What are the things that kind of get in the way of that? There's probably a lot. One's probably inertia. It's just a lot easier to stay the same than it is to change, for sure. Busyness, we just get caught up in all kinds of stuff. It's hard to really think about being intentional about changing our hearts. But the two things that I really thought about, and it's actually just one thing with two different kind of prongs, is fear. I think one of the reasons we stay hard versus allowing God to mold us is we're afraid. I think we're afraid of two different things. We're afraid of what other people are going to say. We're afraid of their reaction, not like in a 12-year-old way, but we're... People label folks, and once you don't live up to the label, there's friction. And so I think that concerns us. And then I think the other thing is we're afraid of what our life's going to be like if we really let God shape us. Are we going to wind up like this vase? Are we going to, what's really going to happen in our life? This is Matthew 18, 19, excuse me, starting at verse 16. Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which one, the man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I've kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad. Because he had great wealth. Now you can do a lot of different things with that passage. The one thing I'm going to do is talk about this man who saw something in Jesus that he wanted, but he was not willing to change in order to get it. I want eternal life. Well, here's what you have to do. I've done all those things. Well, here's this one more. Sell, sell what you've got. Sell your stuff and follow me. And the guy, he walks away. He no, it's too much. The rich young man wasn't sure that life with Jesus, without money, would be better than life with money and without Jesus. That's the issue before all of us. When it comes to being willing to change, are we? a lot of us are afraid of what that means for our life. We like our life. Maybe it's not great, but it's what we know when it's ours. And to, true, and to honestly say, okay, God, you can turn me into this vase. You can take me from this to that. This might not be great, but it's what I know, and it's who I am. And I don't know what that vase is going to be like. And a lot of us honestly are not convinced that life with Jesus, being conformed into his image, is better than life without him. We know eternity is probably better with him than without him, but we don't know if life here and now is better with him than without him. And if that's you, I would just say be honest about that. There's no reason to... You're not getting anything out of lying about it. You're not fooling the Lord. If nothing else, on Tuesday night, there's a group of us who pray. It's open to anyone. We pray at 7.30. And one of the things that we're praying and will pray over the next five or six weeks is that God would shape all of us into his image. And if you're hesitant about that, then you just need to be looking out for the hammer and the chisel because we're praying that God would do that in your life. And that, it's not a threat. It's nothing like that. It's just that's the reality of what God has said he wants to do. He wants to form us and shape us. And so we're asking him to do that, and he's going to. And if in your heart you're not convinced that life will be better with Jesus, conformed into his image, than without him, that's really something to think about. That's a pretty big issue. Doesn't necessarily mean you're a wicked person. It just There's something there that needs to be fleshed out. And it probably means you really don't trust the Lord at the heart. 
you don't think he's good or you don't think he loves you or you don't think he's for you. We don't have time to go down all of those roads today, but I would just throw that out there as a possibility. If you think your life is better here on earth without him or with him on the periphery or you're better kind of how you are than how God might make you, that's probably not very good. And it says something about what you think about the Lord. And you need to look into that. Again, that's nothing to make you feel bad about. That's just kind of the reality. Everybody has a different tolerance for change. Some people say, I like the question today, do you love change or are you resistant to change? And in my opinion, it all has to do on the change. You find somebody who loves change and offer to change their salary downward and we'll see how much they love it. Flip it around. Find me someone who hates change and offer to change their salary upwards and let's see who resists. I think we feel about change. It depends on what the change is. There's some people who may be more bent to change than others, but in general, we look at, well, is this change good for me? If it's a positive change, we're all about it. And if it's a negative change, not so much. So when it comes to being conformed into the image of Jesus and really being willing, being moldable, again, the question is, well, do you think it's a pay cut or a pay raise? How do you view becoming more like Jesus? Is it a good thing or not a good thing in your life? Now, I... We said last week, I can't promise that your life will be better the more you become like Jesus. But I can promise that you'll live your life better. The circumstances might not get any better, but you'll do better in the circumstances. And we said last week, the resurrection to me is the guarantee of that. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Jesus is the only person who's triumphed over death. So what that means to me is he didn't sin. And biblically, sinning is not just, you know, telling a lie or hitting somebody or anything. It's missing the mark. So, again, to think that Jesus triumphed over death, that means Jesus never missed the mark. In his whole life, he never once missed the mark. He lived life perfectly. And again, biblically, to live life perfectly means whole or complete. So, Jesus never missed the mark. He lived his life in a way that was whole or complete. The more we become like him, the closer we get to that. Who doesn't want that? The more you become like Jesus, the less and less frequently you'll miss the mark. And the more and more your life will be whole and complete. I can't guarantee that it'll get better, but you'll live it better. You'll be missing it less often, and you'll be getting it more often, whatever the circumstances are. You might not be convinced of that, but that's what I have. And again, I would encourage you, if you find yourself hesitating to really give God control in terms of shaping your heart, I'd ask you to try to figure out what's going on with that and what that says really about your um, view of the Lord. Again, not in a negative way, but that's something that needs to be fleshed out. It probably means that you don't trust him on some level. This is Matthew 13, when Jesus, uh, verse 53. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary, and aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown and in his own house is a prophet without honor. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. One reason I think we're maybe hesitant to change or unwilling to change is because we're afraid of what the change will do in our life. We're not sure we can really trust where God has taken us. The other major reason is because we're, we're kind of afraid of other people. Again, not in some 
12-year-old way, but just it causes friction when we change. I was thinking about this, and people, celebrities seem to change all the time. I don't know if it's because they don't have a real sense of who they are or because that's a way to stay on the front page, but there's constant makeovers. I'm not just talking about plastic surgery with uh, celebrities. I was thinking of one guy in particular, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, do we have? He's changed a lot in 30 years. I, I can say from experience, it takes a long time to look like that. <laughs> that took a while, didn't it? So, um, he, uh, in 1970, he won Mr. Olympia. I think that was the first time. He won it seven, he was a seven time Mr. Olympia. And then he went into acting and he started off as a terrible actor. Um, if you've ever, his second film, they actually cast him as a deaf mute hitman because his accent was so bad, they were afraid people would not be able to understand him. He won a, he's won a Golden Globe. I don't know if you won that, if you knew that. He won a Golden Globe for his role in something in 1976. But again, he started off, he went from bodybuilder to actor. He started off bad. If you've ever seen Conan, you don't need any more evidence that he did start off bad. He became one of the biggest grossing stars, though, in the 90s. He had the Terminator trilogy, Predator, all these running man. He became a huge box office success. And then he became the governor of California. And Time twice has named him one of the most, one of the hundred people who shaped the world. Two different times he's been named one of the top 100 people to shape the world. He went from Mr. Olympia to one of the 100 people who is most influential in shaping our world. He's changed a lot. He put himself out there over and over and over again, publicly changing himself, opened himself up to a lot of criticism, took a lot of heat. Whatever you think about him, he's changed. And most people would say he's changed for the better. And I think for us, for whatever reason, it's hard for us sometimes to really think about changing in a significant way. It's hard to change, especially in your hometown. If your hometown, if it's physically, if your hometown's just kind of your old group of friends, if it's your family, it's difficult to change in your hometown. That's why a lot of people say, I just got to move and start over. Because it's a lot easier to move and start over than it is to start over where you are. For some of you who maybe haven't been Christians for a super long time, when you become a Christian and you still hang out in the same groups, it's culture shock for folks. We all label. That's what we do. One of the developmental milestones of kids is when they sort and categorize. That's what we do. We label. And if people tell me they don't label, then I label them liar because it's what we do. <laughs> it's not bad. It's just it is what it is. We all label. That's how we deal with all of the information that comes to us. Every one of you is categorized in my head, and I'm categorized in every one of your heads. And that's okay. The only thing that's difficult is when we don't live up to the labels. If you're the funny guy, or you're the high-maintenance girl, or you're always late, whatever it is that you are, when you don't live up to that label, it causes friction. You might be this way, you might know people who are this way, at work, a, you're a leader and you're confident and you're all these things and then you go home for the holidays and you're the baby of the family again. And you revert back to how you were when you were 10 years old. It's just easier than trying to change the label. This is how you're, in your family, this is your role and this is how you act. And it's just easier to do that than to try to change things. You might do that, you might know people who do that. Labels are hard to shake. And it can cause friction when you try. That's what happened to Jesus. Jesus had always been Joseph's son. 
This is, that's Jesus' dad, and that's his mom, and that's his sisters, and those are his brothers. We know this guy. He's a carpenter. He's probably super nice growing up. Wonderful. Everybody wanted to be his friend. Shared really well. Everybody wanted to be around Jesus. But that's who he was. And then he comes back, and he has this reputation for working miracles, and he's saying things about being God's son, and people, what's who? That's not who he is. That doesn't fit the label. And they can't handle it. In his hometown, it's, it was hard for him because he wasn't, he came back and he didn't meet the expectations that he had when he had lived there. You know how that is. Again, whether your hometown is geographic or a group of friends or whatever, it's hard to shake labels. A lot of times it's just easier to go along with it. And so that's what we do a lot of times. We just go along with it. Um, some of y'all have been to a high school reunion. Some of y'all are too young to have been to a high school reunion. Many of y'all have been to one, a 10-year or 10-year plus. You can see the changes in people. And you wonder where they... I've wondered... I, I went to one... My, I'm 15 years out of high school, so I went to a 10-year reunion five years ago. And I wondered when I met guys again that I hadn't seen in so long, are you who you really are now or are you who you really were then? And why couldn't you do that in high school? Like, what about high school kept you from being who you really are? Some of it might be immaturity or being young or whatever, and some of it, I think, is they were labeled. We had everybody in a box. It's just easier to wait until you're gone, and you can create a new box. But with God, you can't do that. When you become a Christian, things are going to change. They're going to. Four, three quick verses. Let me find them. Here they are. Matthew 4.17, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Another word for repent is change. You could easily say change for the kingdom of God is near. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That's change from the old to the new. Revelation 21.5, this is God speaking. Behold, I'm making everything new. Again, change. You can't be a Christian if you're not willing to change. The essence of Christianity, or essential to Christianity at least, is a willingness to change. If the standard is this, if this is the standard and this is how you start, you've got to change to go from here to here. That you see, You've got to change. You've got to be willing to change if you're going to get from this to this. And there'll be changes all along the way to get you here. And if you're not willing to change, it's going to be really difficult for you to continue to follow Jesus. Because what he's going to wind up doing is he's going to have to use the hammer and the chisel which isn't nearly as pleasant as when he can just use his hands to mold you and shape you. And again, that's not, that's not a threat. That's just the reality. I want you to know what you're signing up for. If you've chosen to follow Jesus, you have to be willing to change. The, his, the heart of Jesus' message, change, for the kingdom of God is near. You're going to have to be willing to do that in all of your different circles. In your hometown, as hard as that is, at some point, following Jesus is going to cause you to change. You're going to have to be different, and there's going to call, it's going to cause friction. Even if the people who you're around are Christians, and they love you, and you've been a Christian for a long at some point, because you're not this vase yet, at some point, in becoming that vase, it's going to cause friction in your hometown. And you have to decide, are you willing to live with that? Or are you just going to play up to your old label? It's easier to play up to your old label. 
it's better to risk the friction to become more like the Lord. But that choice is yours. So over the next four, five weeks, we're going to look at some tools that we actually give God that he can shape us with. Things that, if we're choosing to cooperate with him, things that we can do that allow him to mold us into his image. This, it's not the hammer and the chisel stuff. It's the stuff, if we choose to allow him, that he'll mold us into his image. And I'll just say, over the course of that time, and as you walk these things out, and it's my life as well, it's going to require change. And I've got to be convinced of two things if I'm willing to change. One is that it's better for me to change than to stay the same. You, me, we've got to become convinced that it, our, we can live our lives better with Jesus than without him. And if you're not convinced of that, you'll never change. You might do some things just because you feel guilty or something like that, but it won't, it won't change your heart. Your heart will never change until you become convinced that life, you'll live life better with Jesus than without him. And that life, in fact, is better with him than without him. The second thing is you've got to be willing, I've got to be willing to face some of the friction that will come in our hometown when we become who Jesus has called us to be. That's that. Uh, we're going to uh, go back into worship here for a, a minute. You guys can come up.